Turn with me as we begin. Anybody bring their Bible? Do we still bring Bibles to church? Is that still something that we do? Everything's electronic, yes. We're all able to have our Bibles at church because we can't go to church without our cell phones. Dear God. How many of you are looking forward to never having to uh, carry a cell phone ever again? Anybody in here believe in God? I don't know. It's one of those impossible things. There's the door right there. Turn with me over to Isaiah chapter 61. And let's just read a little bit of scripture. We're only going to read a chapter. The Spirit of the Lord. This is, um, if, how many of you are familiar with Isaiah 51? This is Isaiah now, prophet Isaiah, prophesying about the life and ministry of Jesus. And so when he's doing that, I want you to pay a little bit of attention to the things that he's saying uh, well in advance, hundreds of years in advance of Jesus being here. Now, we know that he's talking about Jesus. He doesn't actually identify Jesus or the Messiah here. But how many of you know that Jesus, when he came here, he locked onto this scripture and he's told everybody that this scripture has been fulfilled right before your eyes. And so he was basically saying, I'm the guy. And so uh, how many of you say, okay, now we know he's talking about Jesus, right? So the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to, liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison doors to those who are bound. Now, if any of you remember when Jesus rehearsed this or gave this as a scripture the one day, he stopped at this point. All right, and that is very significant. Now, Isaiah goes on and talks about the ministry now of Jesus uh, as he talks about a number of things. We're going to read those. But remember that when Jesus was talking about himself right in the flesh, he stopped at this point. So his job was to heal the brokenhearted, preach the gospel to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, and set the captives free, open prison doors to them that are bound, stop and drop the book. But what we're going to read now is what happened after Jesus. Because Jesus' ministry, how many of you know Jesus ain't dead? Does anybody remember that? And so Jesus' ministry has not stopped. His ministry is just being expressed now. How? Or let's say it like this. Through whom? Put your hand up if you are having Jesus' life expressed through your life. He, you are continuing his ministry, a ministry that Isaiah was prophesying even though Jesus wasn't going to do it here on the planet himself, he was going to fulfill that through you and through your life. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance for our God. Now, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. They shall be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Now, I want you to get all this in context of what, Jesus, what I'm telling you that Jesus' ministry was, and that was to open this door and give us the ability to solve problems over here in the natural realm by using what comes through from the infinite realm. What I'm, what I'm going to try to present to you today is we, taught, we called the teaching today the Holy Grail. How many of you have heard, seen movies about what the Holy Grail is? How many of you would actually like to know what the Holy Grail is? So we're going to talk about that. We're going to unload that today. But the result of that then is our ability to comfort those who are mourning, to give beauty for ashes, the joy, of, the joy for mourning, praise at a time of heaviness, all of those type of things that our job is as the kingdom of God here on the earth. 
Now, what's going to happen when we do that? Now, remember, if you, if, you, if you remember to bring your religion hat with you, religion is going to tell you that what Jesus came to give us was a good church to go to, a good solid pew to sit in, and then heaven when we die. But I want you to listen now to what Isaiah prophesied about Jesus and what was going to happen in the, the ministry of Jesus after he had uh, finished his portion of it. So let's read together. It says, and they shall rebuild old ruins. Well, how, how many old ruins do you think are in heaven? Right, so this is, we're starting, if you listen to it, you're gonna say, well, wait a minute. No, that can't be what I'm doing in heaven. That must be what I'm doing here. So they'll rebuild old ruins. They will raise up former desolations. Yeah, there'll be lots of desolations in heaven. How many of you read the scripture? There is no desolation in heaven. That's what we do here. They shall repair ruined cities. Again, you know, not a whole lot of ruined cities in heaven. The desolation of many generations. So again, to talk about all of these things that we already know, I don't think that's going to be what I do in heaven because there's not going to be any of this raw material for me to work with in heaven because there isn't ruin and desolation and repair and all these kind of problems in heaven. So clearly what Jesus is talking about is that our lives are supposed to be doing these type of things. Uh, look at verse uh, six there. And you shall be named the priests of the Lord. You shall they shall call you the servants of our God. And what? You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles. And in their glory, you shall boast. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. Again, where is this happening? You know, this is, I know this is going to mess with your, your, maybe your doctrine about things, but Jesus is looking for there to be a resurrection of a very mighty kingdom here on earth. And his intention is that that kingdom is going to be uh, manned by you. And that's supposed to be happening here. This isn't all just, you know, you know, live as little as you can and sort of, you know, bunker down in your basement until Jesus takes you home. There isn't that reference here. Instead of your shame, he will give you double honor. Instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess the double. Ever, and then finally, not to say that we don't get to heaven when we die, everlasting joy will be theirs. Now, what I'm drawing your attention to that for is because, uh, you know, we've talked about this many, many times here, but we're going to go through it again, is that the, the ministry of Jesus was igniting the ability for this exact stuff to start happening. The way all of this happens very specifically and uniquely, that it happens because of this door that has now been opened between the, the finite realm and the infinite realm, but also how to get the stuff that's over here in the infinite realm over here in the finite realm. You're probably thinking, yeah, I've been waiting for this because that's what I really want to know. If there's health over here and I got a lack of health over here, then I need to get the health that is on this side and get it over to this side. If I have resources that I need over here and I need to get them over here, how do you get them through the door? If there's wisdom over here, understanding over here, answers over here, how do I get them to manifest on this side? And that's what we're going to, and how many of you would say, 
yeah, I, if I could figure that out, I think I would be in possession of the Holy Grail. If I could do that. But I'm going to tell you, tell you, I'm going to help you to understand that that's what Jesus' ministry was. When you read through the Gospels, it's remarkable how demonstrative Jesus was in this simple process of taking from the abundant realm and having it manifest in the finite realm. Whatever he came across, he somehow was able to fill this lack or vacuum or sickness or disease or death or no lunch or unpaid taxes or whatever it would be that he needed. He could walk on water, turn himself invisible. He could do all of these kind of things, which is the mat- simply the manifestation of something that exists on this side brought over to this side. And so when, and, and, and while he was here, this is perhaps a bit of a shock if you haven't heard me talk about this before, but he explained how to do this to us in a very, 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 very simple way. The only problem was is we got fixated on the finite realm in the sense that it is finite and it is, you know, by that very definition, it is uh, limited. And so when we talk about all of these scriptures, which are plentiful, as Joe was saying earlier, the scriptures that talk about us living in a manifested abundance in our life, in every overflowing possible area at all, there's a scripture for every one of those things. But what we have done with those scriptures is we have said, well, that is just going to wait until we get to the other side. Here in the finite realm, well, it's always going to be finite. It's always going to be lack. There's always going to be shortage. There's always going to be what... And, we, and so we have so accepted the fact that it is finite that we took all those scriptures and says, oh, it'll be so nice when we get to heaven. And... But clearly from the scripture, you know, there is no desolation. There's no thing, cities in need of repair in heaven. So obviously that's not what that's referring to. That Jesus will make a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. How many of mine enemies do you think are going to be in heaven? He's talking about that is going to happen here. And then it's easier for us to understand that what he then, when he began to talk, and we said decipher some of the stuff that he was, Jesus was talking about while he was here, if we forget about it being that it's for some other la-la land time and realize this is simply a discussion about how to get things from the eternal realm and have them show up in the temporal realm. Just make that the, that's what Jesus was talking about. So then you read anything that Jesus says, and then you ask yourself, well, what does that have to do with bringing stuff from the eternal realm into the temporal realm? And it'll all begin to make sense to you about why Isaiah was prophesying all of these amazing things were going to be the result of Jesus simply opening the door and telling us, how to get stuff from that side to this side. Now, it's up to you, right? It's up to you what you bring from one side to the other. What, what is your dream? What are you going to need? What you need is different than what I need. What you need is different from what the person besides you needs. 
But every person then, understanding this dynamic, that there is an entire world, God created the invisible and the visible, the heavens and the earth, they're both as real. But what he was doing was he was saying what you need to be able to do, identify your vision, know where you're going, get the stuff that you need, and constantly be living in this place of increasing who you are so that your dream can continue to come to pass. You will not get your dream done on this planet. That, it's just let that go. Your dream is part of an, a huge human process that could last another 100,000 years, no problem at all. But your job, what you are called to do, is part of that enormous process, the dream that you feel on the inside of your heart, the reason that you're here, the purpose that drives you, is part of an enormous plan of God that's moving the, the, the humanity closer and closer and closer to what God originally intended humans to actually be. And so when you're looking at where you're going, you may be trying to figure out how to, fix, how to get through the day or get through the week or get through the month. But God has a plan for you to be continually increasing in who you are and how you influence the world around you. In order to do that, a simple understanding of what we're going to talk about tonight, a simple understanding of how this mechanism here works changes everything. It literally is the Holy Grail. It is what Jesus came. That's it, Holy Grail is out of a story, but... It is what Jesus left behind that had now immeasurable significance in the history of humankind. What was that? And how does it work? How does it change everything? So we're going to discuss that. We're going to look at that. We're going to begin to discuss that. So... In the middle of this discussion that we're having on toxic thoughts, maybe, you know, it seems like we're a little off course here, where how could we be talking about the Holy Grail and the very purpose of Jesus, and then we jump into what is a toxic thought and how do you deal with toxic thoughts. Can I tell you something? To toxic thoughts and emotions are the opposite end of the scale. When you do not under, let's say it like this, the measure to which you do not understand how this simple process works is also the measure to which you are susceptible to negative thoughts and emotions. Once you understand simply how this process works, get some confidence in how this process works, the, you know, the likelihood of you having a legitimate bad day are very slim. They're very slim. I'm not saying you wouldn't have it. I mean, I might come over and, you know bump your car and that may not be awesome for you but having a really a real bad day it's almost impossible I can't think of how you would do it simply because of a very small adjustment in the thing that Jesus came to talk about when he was here so let's ready to jump in okay let's just finish off also I forgot to mention on Sunday but I'm I, it keeps coming to my heart so I'm going to say it in case it comes up later on in the month as we discuss all these things the word, when Je it says that Jesus was tempted, well, all that tempted means is that I was, my attention was caught towards the limited nature of the natural world that I live in. And I'm tempted to accept that it is somehow limited in that way. 
So I'm tempted because I don't have enough food. I'm tempted because I don't have money. I'm tempted because I don't have enough life. I, I'm tempted because I don't have enough health. I'm tempted, or whatever I'm tempted by in this natural realm doesn't mean that we've sinned, as you know, because Jesus never sinned. It just means that Jesus took note of the world around him. It, what the devil said to him, he could easily have said, oh, you're right. Because he also lived in the, the, the pressure of the natural world that was around him, that was trying desperately to prove to him that his world was finite, that his world had boundaries, and those boundaries are insurmountable. And because they are insurmountable, you better start making some plans because this is not gonna go well for you, was really what the devil was trying to get Jesus to accept that as being the truth, as being real. And then if he would have accepted that, there would have been a whole bunch of thoughts, a whole bunch of emotions, and a whole bunch of actions that would have been unrighteous in their measure. Simply because he needed, the devil really wanted Jesus to take a hold of this natural finite world and say, yeah, this is the real one. I better start making plans. Okay? All right. So when Jesus came, he came to explain an extraordinary and universal transformational truth that was going to change humanity forever. That may not be what you thought Jesus came to, 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 to the earth for, but what he's about to explain is going to change all of humanity forever once we get it. I don't think it's changed as much as it could have changed up until this point. But what the purpose was of it was to transform the very nature of humanity. And it's, it's, it's ridiculously simple that a child could understand it, but it has been lost for the most part. I say it's completely lost, I don't think so. But for the most part, would most, if you lined up a thousand Christians and you asked them why was Jesus, would they, would they show you the door? Would they, they wouldn't. So, well, I don't know, maybe a good person, you go to church on Sunday, get to heaven when you die. Yeah, okay, those are all good things, but that's not why Jesus came. The kingdom is not linear. This is very, very important. This is why it has been so hard for us to understand. When Jesus came to begin to explain to us how the kingdom works, everybody wants, and I, listened, I studied a whole bunch of like very intellectual, philosophical kind of teachers, and they all stumble on this one point, thinking that the kingdom of God, God himself, is linear, that you can measure it in, in a line instead of realizing that everything is circular, everything comes back upon itself, and Toxic thoughts and emotions are exactly the same way. They operate in, in a circular form, okay? If I allow toxic thoughts uh, and they build a belief system in those toxic thoughts, now I need, to, I need to have those toxic thoughts in order to survive. And so, and around the process goes over and over and over again. I remember just recently talking to a, a very, very close friend of mine about faith and how it works and all of those type of things. And, uh, you know, I was, trying to, I was trying to explain to him why it's, it's okay for you to go and swim in the ocean. That was the best example that I could think of at the time. And he says, well, well aren't you afraid of the sharks? And I said, no, I'm not afraid of sharks. Because I'm not afraid of sharks, I don't need to be afraid of sharks. But if I were to be afraid of sharks, now I do need to be afraid of sharks. Do you understand? So you see how that's not linear. 
I can't just be not afraid of sharks, or I can't just go swimming. You can't go swimming in the ocean. I'm not saying that. There's very few sharks in the ocean, I hate to tell you, especially the kind that would bother you. But the point of the matter is, is that when you are afraid of something, now you need your toxic thoughts and your toxic emotions because it, since you are afraid of them, there is a possibility that you're going to have to deal with them. If you are not afraid of them, if you don't have the toxic thoughts, then the supply, what I'm going to show you today, the supply is going to be so rapidly moving from one side of this equation to the other that there won't be any reason for you to be afraid. You developed all of these toxic emotions, as we're going to talk about, it. the clock is really bugging me, you can shut that thing off, Tina's not here, I'm not going to need to be... <laughs> When you're dealing with the toxic, right, the reason that I need an adrenaline rush when I'm afraid is because there, there's, there could be a lion that's chasing me or an alligator that's in the back seat, and I need to get the heck out of the way fast because I, I, these things are out of my control. And that's why I need them. So if I have the talk, if I am actually afraid, as you know, we bring upon ourselves the things that we believe good, for good or for bad. That's not all. It could be bad or it could be good news for you. But when we do that, we recognize that all of these things operate in circular form. When I get rid of my toxic thoughts, then all of the things that would be igniting the fear that I should be afraid of sharks is also going to be gone. And there's not going to be a shark that bothers me because... It's not being attracted to my fear. Does that make some sense? We get rid of the linear nature of this. Now I can interrupt the process. I can just say, I'm going to stop the toxic thoughts. I'm going to, and I'll sh we'll show you how to do that. I'm just going to stop them. Now, maybe I can't do them all, but I, give me some time and I'll get them all. Because you can learn how to do anything particularly getting those toxic thoughts under control, if you just learn some very simple uh, mental gymnastics. Uh, okay, so let's, let's talk about, just so that I've covered it, let me talk about three, it sometimes can get very difficult when we are talking about the things that you believe. Because we can get very specific about the things that we believe. You know, I can work on my fear of sharks, but then I have fear of alligators. And then I have the fear of piranhas. Then I have fear of jellyfish. And then those sharp little pointy things that you stand on. And you can go, and you, by the way, you'll spend your whole life before you can actually go in the ocean and not be afraid of everything that's in there. But instead of that, we could actually identify three primary essential things to, once we learn how to believe and how to go through the process Jesus is talking about, once we do that, we can very quickly within 180 days, we could get all the way through to believe the essentials. And for the most part, a lot of you believe them, for a lot of them already. So let's take a look at what are the essentials. Number one essential is to understand that you have a covenant with Almighty God. Now, we spent a lot of time with this over the last two years, really understanding what it means to have a covenant and being and becoming those people who actually are able to become covenant people, like dealing with self and dealing with all those kind of things. But when Jesus talks to us, God talks to us, he talks to us like uh, he talked to the older brother in Luke chapter 15. And he said, beloved, I am with you always 
all that I have is yours. God, this is the, 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 the father in that story is metaphorically God. You are metaphorically the older son. And he says, this is a covenant sentence. Beloved, like when, if Tina, if Tina's not here, but she's here in, in spirit. So if Tina was to be sitting here, then I would say to Tina, how many of you know as a husband, that's what I did 35 years ago. I said, beloved, Tina, I'm with you always. And all that I have is yours. How many of you, that's what you do when you give those vows to each other. That's a covenant style of a vow that he is making to us, saying that to us. That's talking about the fact that all that is available over here, the infinite of God that is on this side is completely available to us on this side. There is no limit. Do you believe that? And so I, I was walking up to go, you know, I'm with my girl, you know, I got this. It's not going to be a problem. And I could feel myself, we're going to, here, honey, I'll do it first. You watch. And all of a sudden I walk near this thing and it's probably from me to you, Deb. And all of a sudden, whoop. I could see through the floor right now. I know it's made out of glass and steel, and you could probably drive an excavator across this thing, and it would not break. But you could feel, ooh. And I'm not afraid of heights, but my soul responded really quickly to the fact that you, you're not going to walk there, are you? <laughs> and it took me a second to be able to, okay, wait a minute, I got this. Yeah, I'm good. Away you go. And I, I wasn't bothered when I got there, but I could feel that it went whoop, whoop. That is my soul responding to something that I believe. And I had to talk myself into the fact that, okay, this is the liability that would happen if I actually broke on this company. So I could, and I worked myself through for the next two steps that there is absolutely no possible way. It would be easier for me to fall through the floor in the dining room than it would be for me to fall through that floor. I'd logically just got hold of my soul, but, right. but my soul revealed itself. Right. It showed me something. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, you talk tough, but hmm. <laughs> so the negative, the, the concept, the toxic concept is a very important concept for us to look at because it is our only connection to what do I actually believe? Because if what I believe is creating my world, I think everybody knows that, even people who aren't religious people, they all know that who you are on the inside becomes who you are on the outside. Right? You know, if I'm in a blue mood, I paint a blue picture. That's just how we do it. So everybody knows that. But how do we get, the, how do we get it to change? How do we get it to become something different? How do we stop it? And so let me run through this really quickly. Many people would say to me, I don't really have toxic thoughts and emotions, but so let me just go through a couple little things for you to share. Or do you actually have them? Your own little checklist, perhaps. So toxic thoughts are any thought that accepts, oh, excuse me, the, the first one was the covenant. You have to believe in the covenant. You have to believe that there is a God, that he's for you, and that, there is a, that he has infinite supply. The second thing is you have to know the combination to the family safe. You got to know how to get that stuff from over there to here. I mean, if you think God is amazing and he's got all, all this stuff and cattle on a thousand hills and, you know, blessed and highly favored, you believe all that. But if you don't know how to get that stuff from that side to this side, it's not going to help you. Okay. You're going to still be an, an orphan. 
you're going to still be on this side wondering, you know, how come daddy ain't taking better care of me? So even though you, ha you know you have it, if you don't have the combination to the family safe, it's not helping you. And then third of it, you have to understand why you're here. There has to be a sense on the inside of you of your purpose and destiny. You got to be, and if it's just a simple, a little tiny piece of it, and you don't need a lot of it. As you get more as you go. As long as you get the general idea of why you exist, then you'll be fine. That sounds pretty simple, right? I just have to believe that I have a covenant with Almighty God. I just have to understand how to get the stuff from that side to this side. And I just have to know what the heck I do with it once I get it. Because we can get a lot of trouble to get stuff that we don't have the, know the purpose for. Okay, toxic thoughts. Any thought that accepts a limitation or boundary that is insurmountable. Any thought that you have, how much money do I have? Doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't matter to when you pay your bills. I mean, don't bounce your checks. I'm not saying that, but am I limited by that? Is it insurmountable? How about my life? Is it limited? My health? Is it limited? My energy? Is it limited? My time? Is it limited? Any of those thoughts that would suggest in any way that you are a limited being, that's where the toxic thoughts are coming from. That's where they're coming. That's where the emotions are coming from. See, I used to boast about being a very logical person. You know, Tina, I told Tina, you're marrying Spock, live long and prosper. <laughs> Motions were useless things that served no evolutionary purpose in my life anyways. And so, you know, the problem with logical, which our whole culture is very logical, our Western culture, very logical, the way we see and do things. The problem is, is that we exalt that to say it's limited and those boundaries are hard and fast. One plus one is only two. And, uh, you know, you make $100, you give away $10, you have $90 left, you have less. That's how math works. Except in the kingdom, it doesn't work like that. Joe just explained that to us. That's not how it works. And so it, it goofs us up in our mind because we are very mathematical in the way we look at the world and the way we understand the world. And so we become what's called realists or pessimists or we're very pragmatic, we're very scientific, very, ma very mathematical. Those are all good things. If you're building bridges and you're making airplanes and you're going to put a man on Mars, I think you should have some of those qualities. But you can't be limited by those. You cannot believe that those things are the boundaries, that those are the extent that those are the limits. Because if you do, that is going to be the root of your negative thought and emotion. It's going to start the fire of what is about to happen. So you have to get rid of it. And if you think you're not a logical person, that's not true. Well, I'm more emotional. You probably, you could very well be more emotional, but it doesn't come from your emotions. Emotions are not free agents that just get to ravage your life at will. They don't get to do that. Right. Negative emotions come from negative thoughts. Toxic emotions come from toxic thoughts. Those toxic thoughts are these kind of thoughts that establish a boundary or a limitation to your life. They limit your time, they limit your money, they limit your energy, they limit your whatever, your health, however you want to go along like that. And then once you have that negative in there, that implanted negative thought, 
than once you think it or come encounter it in some way. All of a sudden, your body, knowing that you are limited in whatever area that you believe that you are limited in, now you get confronted with a situation and your emotions go crazy in preparation for the negative thing that is about to happen to you because of your belief in the negative thing that's creating the negative thought. Do you understand? Did I go too fast? Your emotions are your physical, physiological response to a, a belief in what is about to happen in your life. Everything about the way we live our life, you, nobody lives in the present. Everybody lives in the future that is about to happen to them now. And so everything about, it's like when I walk, right? I don't, if I want to know how to walk, I have to put my foot where I'm going to be. That's how we do everything in our lives. We are always preparing for what is about to happen in our lives. All of our negative emotions are that preparation for what we think is about to happen. And what we think is about to happen is coming from what we believe about the limitations that are in our lives. When we then, by that logic, when we get rid of those limitations, it's like, like Bruce Wayne, right? If Bruce Wayne is sitting at the table and he needs $100, but he doesn't have $100 in his pocket, Bruce Wayne does not, figure, does not freak out. He does not have a negative emotion. Oh, the deal is over. No, he says, hang on, I'll be right back. And he just goes into the family safe. He gets the $100 and he brings it back and he says, there you go. Now, he wasn't upset the whole time. He didn't freak out because he knew how to do it. He knew how to go and get whatever, whatever wisdom he needed, whatever resource, whatever, whatever. He was able to go over there, get what it was, and bring it over here. All of the negative emotion, all the toxic is rooted in my belief in the finite nature of the finite world. My belief in the limitation. My belief in the, in the deadline. My belief in the, in the hard and fast boundary. Does that make some sense? Toxic emotions, uh, numb, is a, is, a, is a toxic emotion. Most guys think this, you know, I'm numb now. No, <laughs> no you're not. You're desensitized to the, all the negative. And so numb is not a, a victory. I used to think that, you know, Spock is really Mr. Numb, right? You've numbed out all of the negative emotions. You don't pay attention to them anymore. You don't even feel them. That's not a victory. Life is not like that. At least it sh shouldn't be like that. Lethargy, you know, exhaustion, boredom, escapism, all of those things. Look at them as though they are negative emotions. Why would we be like that? We wouldn't want to be like that. I live for my vacations. No, don't do that. I live for the weekends. Don't do that. Well, live for coming to church on Sunday, but... All of these things can be looked at and analyzed and say, hey, I, I don't think it's supposed to be like that. And then we identify there must be something underneath it all. And it's fairly easy to fix. Negative emotions, like, like a how about a desire? A desire for something that you know to be negative. Right? That would be a negative desire, right? That would be a negative, uh, it's, a, it's a toxic desire because it's desiring something that's bad for you. It's like an addiction for something. Again, that is all going backwards to a root that is in there in a, a thought, in an idea that we have that are, that's actually negative.
and it's rooted in this finiteness of this world that we live in and the, and the pressure that is being created by the finite nature of it. Well, the good news is the Holy Grail, Jesus, when he came, came to teach us a very, very simple process, a, a remarkably simple process on how to get your soul to get rid of the, the root thing there, which is that negative or that belief system in the finite world. Now, of course, we have that. We've discussed all that. How did we get it? Not your fault, but it's your responsibility now. You can deal with it. And so when you take a look at it, if you go to Mark chapter 3, just make some notes now because I am, I'm already 0, 0, and I've got four points here to cover. Number one, in Mark chapter 27, Jesus is having this, this discussion, and many of you are familiar with it, where he's, you know, they're accusing him, you know, a, 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 a kingdom divided against itself, cannot stand. Remember that section in scripture? And he's talking a little bit about the devil and the things that the devil does, because they were accusing him of that. And all of a sudden, he pops into, the, into that talking about two kingdoms divided amongst themselves. And, and then he goes on and he said, but if you want to steal a strong man's goods, well, you first need to tie him up. And it kind of has always struck me when I would read through that. And it's like, well, how did Jesus jump there? Like he says, two, two, two kingdoms divided against each other. But if you'd like to steal somebody's goods, you're going to need to tie them up first. So I'm thinking, what is he even talking about? Until you recognize that the three, the Mark chapter 3, Mark chapter 4, the 3 and the 4, that Jesus didn't say those. We put them in for reference. Jesus is setting up what he's about to tell us in Mark chapter 4 which explains to us how to get rid of the root thought or the root belief system in our finite world. But he says, the problem is going to be that you may believe in the finite world very strongly. And in order to get rid of that, you're going to have to tie it up and get a hold of it and put it out with the trash, kick it to the curb. You can't just overlay one truth in abundance on top of another truth that lack exists. Either abundance exists or lack exists, not both. And you're always going to maintain the belief system that you started with unless you deal with that belief system. And so when we take a look at our world, whatever would be your flavor of the month, whatever that thing is, I'd like to get rid of this toxic negative emotion and I need to find the toxic negative thought and now I need to tie that thing up. Grabbing a hold of it and saying, there's no such thing as lack. That is a, that is a, a, a situational belief. That you, you've, you, you analyze something, you're, you know, you're a kid in a, in, a, in a sandbox somewhere and there was two kids and one toy, and you decided that there was a shortage of toys. As you're playing probably in the backyard of the Toys R Us, you probably decided that. Yeah. It wasn't true, but in that situation, you zeroed in on a belief system. Now you've got to get rid of that belief system. So the first thing you have to do is disconnect your soul. When you are experiencing a negative emotion, stop, drop, and roll you got to stop and disconnect from that emotion. Stop, take a breath. Be honest with yourself and say, what could possibly be at the root of an emotion that feels like this? Like when I was first doing this, oh, 30, whatever it is now, 30 years ago when Pastor Gina and I started this journey, 
and we were learning how to walk by faith, and we were learning how to do some of the things that we're talking with you, and now we didn't have this understanding back then, so we were kind of stumbling forward as best that we could. But I had to be honest with myself. I, you know, I'd be happy and everything would be fine until the cell phone bill came. And then all of a sudden, I'd freak out. First, the first 15 days of the month, man, I'm the happiest guy in the world. The last 15 days, systematically, I become more of a bear. Why? Well, because you got your mortgage payment, because you got your car payment, because you, and you're getting closer and closer and closer to it. And I had to be honest with myself and say, why am I like that? What do I believe in that would make this thing happen in this particular way? And then I can deal with it. So I, believe in, I used to believe in lack. I used to believe in shortage. I used to believe that the wolf was at the door. I used to believe that you had to fight for every dollar you got. And when you got it, you had to protect it. I used to believe all those things, clearly, because that manifested in my life in those, in those ways. Grab a hold of it. And I just make a decision that I, I want to change what I believe. I don't think this belief in lack and shortage is working for me. So I'm going to change what I believe. I'm going to get a hold of it. And I'm going to ask Jesus, take that from me. I want to know the truth. And I'm done with the lie. Simple. It's just a short prayer. You don't need a big ceremony about it. Just say, you know what? I've decided I don't believe that anymore. Then you want to go and find out what's the truth. There's lots of ways to do that, primarily in your Bible. There's teachers, there's friends, there's Google. There's all kinds of ways that you can find out what does the Bible say about abundance. Go find, and it's, you, you, know, you won't have time. There's so many scriptures on that. Okay, when you get that now, Mark chapter 4, it, Jesus is talking about a simple four-step process to be able to get that seed. He refers to it as a seed. And uses agricultural terms so that we can easily understand. Everybody's done the Petri dish in grade 8 where you grew yourself a little alfalfa plant or something. Everybody knows tomatoes come from tomato seeds. This is, this is still even in our day when tomatoes come from the grocery store. We know they actually come from seeds. And how does that all work? And so he says getting the, a new belief system into our heart so that we actually believe it happens similarly to the way a tomato seed goes from being a seed into being a tomato. Okay, and so everybody can, you can use your imagination as even if you just think about how that process works right now, that's a similar thing about how to, how to get a new belief system into your heart. You've tied up the old one. I no longer believe in lack. I no longer believe I'm going to run out of time. I no longer believe I'm going to die young. I no longer believe that everybody hates me. I no longer believe that I'm going to make a fool of myself. I, whatever it would be that's manifesting in that negative emotion. I'm never, I, you know, I no longer believe that I'm going to fail at everything I do. Whatever. And don't think you're, you, you know, you, oh, I have all of those. Yeah, everybody has all of those. Plant the seed inside of your mind. Now, when that seed gets in there, the key of it is to be able to understand. Imagine the first time that I told you that there was no such thing as lack and the world was full of abundance. And you go, yeah, no, it's not. That guy, nuts. Because you got all got examples of how lack has somehow manifested in your life. A lack of health, a lack of money, a lack of friends, a lack of tomatoes, a lack of something. So you all have your examples of that. When I told you that, you didn't understand it, didn't understand it, didn't understand it, didn't understand it, didn't understand it. But one, I was listening to uh, Malcolm Gladwell, just has a, one of his books that he has out. He's an Ontario guy, so I'll give him a, a pump up. And he was talking about how, when we try to learn mathematics, 
He said, if you take 20 minutes with any mathematical concept, you will be able to understand it. And everybody says, oh, I'm not good at math. No, you're not good at 20 minutes. <laughs> everybody can be good at math, right? Anybody can learn a language. Anybody can play a guitar. Anybody can do anything. You just have to give everything that you need to learn 20 minutes. And so when you're listening to something, it's one of the criticisms I have about the way we do church, right? I, this is going to be my little moment, and then you'll come back on Sunday, and we'll have another go at it. But it takes 20 minutes. It means that when you leave here today, you have to sit down with something that is going on in your life, a truth that you want to get that you don't believe. I remember what the Lord said to me, there's no such thing as shortage. I, I could not understand that. I can understand the words. That's different. But now over the last 20 years, as this has been, you know, I'm, I probably teach this every six months or so, then it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and better and better and bigger and bigger and bigger as I start to really get what he's talking about. This is actually the way the world works. But it takes 20 minutes to understand it. But understanding is the most important beginning step. You cannot obviously go to the next step if you don't actually understand what has been said. If it's challenging you, if, there's, if, if you speak a different language, if you zoned out and were dreaming about more cookies, I don't know, whatever you did there, you missed it. <laughs> That's why it takes, just deal with the 20 minutes and take a hold of it, take a 20 minute season, sometime in the next little bit, take one of the things that you're trying to get rid of, get rid of the lack and accept the fact, okay, the world is full of a bone, what does that mean? Think about it a little bit, you'll grab a piece. In 20 minutes, you will grab enough of a piece to be able to say, I got it. Then the next level that Jesus talks about is that you have to persevere with that thing. This could become very problematic, but you have to fight for it. What you are going to do, this is, and it's terrible. I, I wouldn't have designed it like this, and God and I will talk about it when we get together sometime, but I would not have done the world this way. But it has protected the, 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 the holy grail for the people who are really looking for it. Because the people who are really looking for it are the people that are going to give it 20 minutes. Everybody else is just going to give it, your, your average reason people don't do well in math is because they give it one to three minutes. And you can't understand it in one to three minutes, you need 20. Then the next level is perseverance, right? I got to persevere with it. What is the perseverance? Perseverance is going to be all the negative things that you see that are proving to you that there actually is lack all around you all the time. And you're going to want to throw it out. It's going to be pushing you all the time because you don't really believe it yet. You just understand it. And you're excited about it, which is great. But the Bible says that, you know, the sun comes up, as it were, and it gets hot and it has no root. The, 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 the belief system that you have that there is such a thing as abundance, it doesn't have any roots. It's struggling to get a hold of it, get a hold of some ground. But then it, 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 Jesus says there's, there's not a lot of earth at first anyways. You know, topsoil is made from the leaves that have fallen in the past. Right? So, but once you get your harvest, once you get your orchard going, you're building up topsoil. You know? It gets easier as you go along, which is good news. The, hardest, the first one is the hardest, I guess is what I'm trying to say. As you learn to do this, it actually gets easier and easier and easier. You get more and more confidence, if you will, in how this system works. And, it's, and after a while, it just becomes almost effortless. You don't think about doing it. It's just step into the process, all of a sudden, I, and, and it manifests. But you have to persevere. You have to stay with it. Because it's going to be that it's going to be attacked. 
I, I should say that first part of understanding in, in Matthew, when Jesus was telling the story in Matthew, Matthew was recounting what Jesus said. He says that it, the problem is, is that the devil comes immediately to steal the word from them that understandeth it not. And so that's recognizing that it, there's a battle to understand. There's a battle in your own mind that's going on that's not you. That's the devil trying to get you to remain on his team in that belief system. But can I tell you something? When Jesus is explaining the rest of this process, he doesn't talk about the devil. When you're dealing with the battle in your mind, how many of you have ever heard of that? There's a battle in your mind. Yeah. Who are you fighting? You're by, yeah, you're fighting yourself. You have one belief system that you've held all of your life that there is such a thing as lack and you need to really worry about that. And there's a new belief system that says there's abundance all around you, so there's nothing for you to worry about. And you're going to be in this sort of limbo spot in the middle as you look at the world around you and you see that there's all kinds of lack, you see there's all kinds of sickness, you see the world is in a mess, you see the chaos, you see all of that, and it's trying to convince you, just like your Jesus was tempted in the finite world, you're being tempted to stay in that finiteness. Because you haven't seen anything come through the door yet. This is all like, yada-da, Ian said this, so go ahead and you know, risk your life on it. And so that's the battle. You could feel the battle there, right? It's just a battle you against you, which once we understand the nature of the fight, especially when it is so ridiculously simple, when we understand the nature of the fight, it's so much easier to win. All I got to do is realize is when, they start, when I start working on something, I'm going to get super challenged and I'm going to want to go back to the old way of believing. Like, if I told you that, you know, Sandy, I'm about to slap you in the face. You know, it's, no, no of course, you'd put your hand up and you'd prevent that from happening. That's, the fight's over. I, I told you what I was going to do. I told you how it was going to go. Do you understand? That's what Jesus is doing. He's just telling us in advance, not trying to build hope for the negative of the perseverance season. He's just trying to say, this is how it works. Don't worry about it. Just stay your course. Don't change course in the middle of a storm. Just stay, stay going. And then when, you're, when Jesus is talking, um, let me get to my right page here. Once we clearly define the battle, and here's what the battle is. The battle is between the, the pressure that is being created by the fact, by the limit, by the deadline. And it's pushing at us constantly in our minds. And we just have to decide which is real and which is the shadow. Simple. What we've become convinced at is this is the realm that's real. And that one is the ghosty spirit realm. That's not the way. This is the real world. This is the shadow. How many of you ever, ever got bit by the uh, shadow of a dog? Anybody? There's no reason to be afraid of the shadow at all. And especially once you understand, how do you unlock the combination? One, I get the truth. Remember, my soul has to go through all of these processes. One, I got to understand the truth. Two, I got to persevere with it as the battle goes on in my own mind, my own soul is battling with me 
because it has a lot of evidence that what I believed before was actually the truth. Because my soul thinks that truth by facts determine what you believe. That's what my soul thinks. The truth is, the truth determines what I believe. And then what I believe produces the facts. See, our soul looks at it in the wrong order. So clearly define the battle, and it's, and it's easy to win. And the only, the only thing the kingdom of darkness can do, we give a lot of credit to the kingdom of darkness, the only thing the kingdom of darkness can do at this level is draw your attention to some finite thing. Have you look at your bank account, you know, look at the doctor's report, whatever. He just can draw your attention to it. Just don't look. Hey, I'm going to put my hand up in the right. Don't look at it. Don't look at it. See, you can all do that, Simon says. Just don't look at it. All he can do is get you to focus. So just don't focus. Why right? Jesus said, take heed what you hear. Take heed. Be careful what you understand. What do you think about at this time is very important. And you cannot think about finite things. You can just think about infinite things. Strengthen yourself in this process. It's going to be important because you're in a fight. You're in a fight with yourself, but yourself is a pretty tough opponent, as many of you know. Pray in tongues, read your Bible, praise the Lord, confessions, lots of fellowship with people who are doing the same thing as you. Don't fellowship with people who are, want to stick around in the finite world. Establish your leader's authority and boundaries. Very important. If you have a leader that's going on in your life, you have somebody, a good friend of yours, that's going to really be your, your accountability partner here, right? Let them know, this, I'm believing for this. You know, if, I, if I'm going to jump, then don't let me jump. Don't let me go off the deep end. They'll call you, text you every morning, say, how'd you do? How'd you do? How you doing? Whatever. So, you know, I'm not saying give somebody complete and total authority over every decision you make in your life. I'm not saying that. I'm saying set the boundaries for a leader in your life to be able to come and work. At least you know they're going to call you. Yeah. At least you can work on your excuses why you didn't do it. <laughs> you want to be easily accountable. Don't be hard to be accountable. That's, you know, people try to get, you know, people ask me, make me no, I'm not going to do that because you're not going to do it. I need to see it in you that you're going to do it, and I'll help you. They're going to watch over your soul. Bible, Peter tells us that, right? Be, be aware that your leaders, they're watching out for your soul. They're not trying to tell you what to do. They're watching out for your soul. So when you're trying to move your soul from one side to the other, and they see you going all wonky, it's their job to be able to come in and say, dude, you're getting wonky. I, I thought you believed in abundance. Is that what you want in Jesus' name? You know, whatever. They're going to just sort of be your little, you know, cattle prod to be able to watch what's coming out your mouth. That's very important. And then finally, develop uh, memory and discipline tools. Those are both fun things, eh? Tools and discipline. They're all, they shouldn't be in the same sentence. But, they're, but they, we can do that. You know, like confession cards or... You know, a little thing that's got a, a process for you to go through or you just make your pray about this and pray about this and set your mind here, whatever. Just little things in your pocket so that it, when the, if the pressure comes on, you don't have to th remember what was I supposed to do. I just pull out that card and I work myself through the list. Those things, they seem rudimentary and they seem childish, but they are not. You need them because these negative emotions, if we're not, we once until we get the ability to really snap them into line, they can be pretty harrowing. And these tools are useful for you. Then the next process that Jesus talks about is the ability to focus. And he says it like this. These are they which are sown among the thorns and such as hear the word, 
But the cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, lust of other things enter in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. Which is awesome because it was fruitful then. So you are starting to get fruit almost right away. It's just green fruit. It's not really sweet or edible. Like if you need, uh, you know, I'd like the, the, the Lotterio numbers so that I could be a hundred billionaire, but I'll take a hundred bucks in order to pay my cell phone bill. You may only get $110 because God knows you need to tithe. And so there's, that's, but he might not get you crazy out of the water, but he will solve the problem. That's kind of green fruit. Solving sort of like a, a, a miracle thing happens for you almost right away if you will just persevere. Just don't give up, uh, you know, in the parking lot after you hear this tonight. Go with it for a while. Take your 20 minutes. Get your understanding. Persevere with it. Just say, I'm just not letting go of this. I'm just going to be a, a st a stubborn in the right direction. Lots of, I know a lot of stubborn people, but they're not necessarily stubborn in the right direction. This is where we talk about fully persuaded right here, right? I'm just so, you're going to build yourself because you kind of do the consider not in, you know, in the persevere and it's not going to care about what's going on in the natural world. I'm, I just, I'm not going to stagger at the promise of God. But then as you're now in this focus stage, I'm dealing with that. I'm fully persuaded. I'm looking at the green fruit. I'm looking at the little things that are happening, the little trickle, and I'm getting more and more and more and more and more and more convinced it's the convinced thing that I, if I run into a problem, hang on, I'll be right back. I'm so confident. You can get there. That's what Jesus was like. He was so confident in what he needed when he needed something on where to get it and bring it into the natural realm. And that's what we're looking for. Keep the weeds away and just let the tree grow, right? Keep all the bothersome things away from working on every day, doing your time. Yes, but Lord, I believe in abundance. Lord, I just see it. You said that the world was abundant and it's poured out. I can have whatever I want. And I just receive, I see all that stuff coming through the door and coming through the door and coming through the paying every bill, blessing other people. I have a dream about things that I want and need. I dream about where I'm going from here and let it all happen, Lord. I'm not worried about it because I know there's an abundance. Just, that's just, well, how long did I take there? A minute? But boy, it just sets your soul. It just sets you in the right place. Do it every day. So, uh, and so all we got to do is keep the weeds away. That's what this whole zone is. Just keep the weeds away from the tree and let it do what it's got to do in order to get to be fruit bearing. But here's some acceleration tips. One, just never say the opposite. You're going to think it, just don't say it. Just don't say it. When I did, you know, when I was going through this in a couple of really good areas in my life, you know, I, I, I would say I bit a hole in my tongue, literally bit a hole in my tongue because I wanted so much to say something to Tina or to one of you or whatever. Just don't say it. When you, if you utter it and say, yeah, it always happens. I run out of money every month. You may think you're going to feel better by saying that, but can I tell you something? You ain't. As soon as you say it, you're going to know I should not have said that. Again, take heed what you hear. Don't let stuff inside your head. Because if you let it wander around inside of your head, I got news for you. It's going to find a way to sneak out your mouth. Just don't let it do that. Take your prime time now. Prime meditation time, first to 15 minutes in the morning, last 15 minutes of the day. Those are your prime times. If you take a nap, you get that twice. Seize those moments. This is... 
I'm, I'm advocating for nap time. That's why I love my nap time, because I get to meditate. I get two 15 minutes on both sides. Those are your prime time meditation. Your soul has let down its guard to prevent other things that it knows are wrong. It's opened itself up and it's letting you do some business. Those are perfect times. And prepare for the harvest. Do something small every day that says to your being that you are about, to, you, that you have already got the harvest. Right? If you're believing for a motorcycle, go read a book about motorcycles. If you're believing for a new house, go shopping. Go look at your thing. I'm just trying to pick which one I want. It, what it does is it starts to get your soul to realize, I think they might be serious about this. They're already shopping. Don't get depressed when you shop. That's bad too. See? Because you can see how you can judge all these things by the way you feel. Then finally, it's harvest time. Can I tell you, don't worry about, don't worry about figuring out where the harvest is going to come from. Don't give it, a, you don't even need to think about that. Can I tell you, when a farmer, an apple farmer does not try to figure out how the tree makes an apple. It only has to, he's, his job Pick the weeds, fertilize, water, prune, whatever. But it does not figure out how to make apples. Okay? Don't worry about where the harvest is coming from. And can I tell you something? It's pointless anyways. I've never, I, I could put a hundred ways on a list about how I think God is going to meet the miracle. And no matter what, it's not going to be that. I could be as creative as I want. And it, it never happens in one of the ways that I think it's going to happen. So it's kind of, I don't even do it anymore. It's a waste of time. And then finally in Mark chapter four, then what's the harvest time? In verse 26, it talks about that the earth bringeth forth fruit of itself. Referencing the heart of a human being here is the heart. The earth is your heart. When you believe something, if you just keep going with this very ridiculously, almost pathetically silly story about how this happens, if you just do exactly what Jesus told us to do, your heart will just bring forth fruit of itself. If you're growing tomatoes, if you just do what it says on the packet to do, you don't have to know how to make a tomato. You just have to follow the, the, the instructions on changing what you believe and then starting to build a, an awareness on the inside of you as the truth becomes more real to you then you get more aware that you are bringing stuff from this side, which is in the invisible form, and you are starting to give it visible components. Just go through the process. If you have never done this before, it may be a bit harrowing the first time you do it. You got a lot of emotions that are gonna be attached to it. Just work with somebody as you go through the process. And you'll see not only are you going to start seeing the manifestation? That's not really what we're even talking about. We're talking about the fact that once you get to the place of fully persuaded, fully persuaded feels like you have it already. That's why you have to pay attention to the harvest. If you already think you have it, you're not looking for the harvest. So you have to kind of, oh yeah, I need to check. Did amazing things happen yesterday that I, that I didn't notice? Right? Because you're so fully persuaded that you have it that you're not looking for it. You're not longing, oh, it wasn't me. You don't do that. But fully persuaded actually feels like something. Yes. Fully persuaded feels like I don't have any negative thoughts and emotions about that anymore because I already have it. 
But you see how this whole process became circular. Yes, I'm getting confident in the way the system actually works, but because I'm confident in the way the system works, I'm no longer having the negative thoughts and emotions that I used to have when I was living in the helpless world of being limited by the boundaries of the finite world around me. They happened at the same time. You may not even notice that you stop having the negative thoughts and emotions because you weren't really working on not having the thought, negative thoughts and emotions. You were working on the antidote. And then when you got the antidote, you just, oh yeah, you know what? I don't, I don't, I don't think about that at all anymore. Isn't that amazing? Effortless. Yeah. All we have to do is follow Jesus' little tiny system. Get the understanding, persevere with that understanding, focus to maturity, and then harvest. Simple. Put your hand over your heart. Say, Jesus, Jesus. I, am so I am so ready to say hasta la vista to all this toxic, toxic thinking, all these toxic emotions. I know you are the answer. You said I would know the truth and the truth would set me free. I'm so excited for this journey. So Holy Spirit, teach me how to understand Teach me how to persevere. Teach me how to focus to maturity. And then teach me how to harvest. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray that your life was impacted by this service and you are able to feel the tangible love of Jesus fill whatever space you're listening from. Maybe you found this message and you've never had the opportunity to come into a personal relationship with Jesus, or you've known about him, but been far from him. We want to give you the opportunity to make his love a daily reality in your life. Jesus came to this earth and died on the cross so that you could be close to him. He wanted to wipe away every disappointment and bring you into a life of purpose and meaning one that will impact this globe for good. If you'd like to begin this journey with Jesus today, then just repeat this simple prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I'm praying this prayer because I know that I've made mistakes and been living without you. I apologize and I trust that you will forgive me. I accept your love and grace and ask that you would be my savior and my Lord. Help me believe in you and love you every day and help me to show the world what you're like and how great your love is. I commit to live for you from this moment forward. In Jesus' name, amen. All of our Light City family are joining with heaven and celebrating over the commitment you have just made to make Jesus the Lord of your life. We have resources available for you to help you on this journey. And most of all, we're praying for you. Send us a note at info at golightcity.com to let us know about the decision you've made today. We have resources we would love to send you with some easy steps on where to go from here so that you can discover God in a real and meaningful way. If you have a prayer request, our team would love to connect with you and partner with you to see God transform your life. God bless you and we look forward to hearing from you real soon.